Do you ever struggle with forgiving yourself? Do you struggle with negative self-talk? Do you find yourself comparing yourself to others? Do you at times feel like you are not amounting to anything? Do you fear being exposed? Do you struggle with evil desires that you are afraid to tell others? Do you struggle with regrets you have about the past? If you answered yes to any one of these questions, well, this podcast is for you. If you answered no to all of these questions, well, this podcast is still for you and anyone else that you would like to invite to listen. Understand that everyone will wrestle with shame in their lives. We are in this together. I will be putting together a set of 12 episodes on the topic of shame. I would like to speak to these questions over the course of these lessons. I would like to talk about what shame is, where it comes from, and how people can respond to the shame they experience. Consider listening as you drive to work, do your chores around the house, or get ready for bed at night, or get ready for work in the morning. Take the time to evaluate what your shame is telling you. Consider with me the stories you are telling yourself. Consider if you relate to the topics I talk about regarding shame. Consider how your life would look different if you applied the principles discussed in this podcast. I'm going to be defining shame as the deep sense that you are unacceptable because of something you did, something done to you, or something associated with you. You feel exposed and humiliated. This definition is given to us by Ed Welch in his book, Shame Interrupted. When it comes to shame, people often try to hide. They are afraid of what they view as personal weaknesses being exposed. At Halloween time, This is often a time when children dress up and put on masks. They pretend to be superheroes, villains, or whatever character they desire. Like kids at Halloween, people also put on masks to cover up. On the one hand, people want others to think well of them, so they put on a good front. They desire for others to accept them. They desire for others to consider them successful in life. They they desire for others to believe they have it all together. On the other hand, people can wear masks in an attempt to hide insecurities and what they view as personal weaknesses. They fear, what if people knew about my regrets that I have in life? What if they knew about where I have messed up? What would they think about me if they knew about the sin I struggle with? They would not accept me. They would not love me. They would not want to have anything to do with me. This kind of thinking drives a person into a downward spiral of shame. Shame is a consequence of sin. Think of the story of Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God in the garden by eating the forbidden fruit. They are exposed for failure to live up to God's moral purpose for their lives. You see, sin is simply disobeying God's commands. Adam and Eve hid from God and shifted the blame to someone else. Being humble and confessing what they did was not on the forefront of their minds. Today, people are hiding from God and others concerning what they deem as shameful. This could be inaccurate perceptions about oneself. 
This could be accurate perceptions about oneself that are not sinful. And it could be accurate perceptions about oneself that are sinful. I will illustrate each of these three categories in this podcast. And then over the next three podcasts, I will open up and discuss each of these categories in further detail. A person's identity often revolves around their shame in two ways. First, they fear people will find out about their mistakes. Second, they fear being misperceived by the people in their life. Ed Welch says in his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, we fear people because they can expose and humiliate us. We fear people because they can reject, ridicule, or despise us. We fear people because they can attack, oppress, or threaten us. In each of these scenarios, people's view of an individual is dominant. There is a constant worry about what others are thinking about them. In this podcast and the following podcast, I desire to present another way. A person does not have to stay trapped in how others are viewing them. The Bible says, The fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be safe. The Bible also says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When someone loves God's truthful teachings recorded in the Bible, it will not matter how others are perceiving them. Let's illustrate the three ways we can perceive ourselves. Number one, inaccurate perceptions about oneself. In this category, it requires a change in perception. Some examples of inaccurate perceptions. No one loves me. I can't do anything right. I'm so dumb. I don't have any talents. I'm always messing things up. I'm not good with my words. I don't have a great personality. In the book by Tim Reinke, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You, he writes that people desire for others to view them in a certain way. He says that people don't want to be exposed. People desire for just the best side of them to be seen. Not only do people desire for others to view them in a certain way, people desire to be praised and affirmed. People desire to outwin others in this social competition. Much of our social media can be focused around glory, praise, and approval. People must do what they can to maintain a certain self-image online for the purpose of drowning out the inaccurate perceptions they have of themselves. Tim Reinke writes, The sad truth is, that many of us are addicted to our phones because we crave immediate approval and affirmation. The fear we feel in our hearts when we are engaged online is the impulse that drives our highly selective self-representation. We want to be loved and accepted by others, so we wash away our scars and defects. When we put this scrubbed down representation of ourselves online, we tabulate the human approval in a commodity index of likes and shares. We post an image, then watch the immediate response. We refresh, we watch the stats climb or stall. We gauge the immediate responses from friends, family members, and strangers. Did what we posted gain the immediate approval of others? We know within minutes.
in order to know where shame comes from and how it is affecting us in our personal lives, we must pull shame out and define it. You must know what you are fighting to address the situation. In all our insecurities, in all our inaccurate perceptions about ourselves, there is a God who loves us. There is a God who cares about us and has intentionally made us for his purposes. Psalms 8 verse 4 and Psalms 139 14 speak to this. Psalms 8 verse 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? In Psalm 8, David is considering the greatness of God in creation. David thinks of the greatness of the sun, the moon, and the stars. He wonders, what is so significant about mankind that God would think about us? The truth is, God does care about mankind. You and I are God's special and most valuable creation. When we step into nature and take in the views around us, we see the mountains, the solar system, the ocean, the animals, and much more. In the midst of all of that, God cares about what is going on in all of mankind's lives. God thinks about each one of us every day. Psalms 139.14 says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David acknowledges that each of us were intentionally made by God. Each of us has a plan and a purpose. In the next episode, we will talk about the importance of letting what God thinks about you and what he says about you be stronger than how you view yourself. May God's words in the Bible be what define who you are, loved, cherished, made with a purpose, and valuable in God's sight. Don't let your inaccurate views of yourself and the lies that come to your mind be what you dwell on. The second way a person's identity can revolve around their shame is when they have accurate perceptions about themselves that are not sinful. In this category, this will require a change in what people are valuing. Some examples of accurate perceptions. I'm not tall. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the most good looking. I'm not skilled. I'm not a good athlete. I don't have the best clothes. I'm not the most popular. I'm not well liked. People make fun of me. People talk about me behind my back. These accurate perceptions that people view as weaknesses, people attempt to hide. They attempt to put on a front and cover up what they don't like about themselves. Consider the celebrities, the movie actors, or pop stars that you follow. Many of them attempt to hide these accurate perceptions behind regular photos of themselves, constant life updates. Uh, they live a certain lifestyle that's accepted by today's culture, and they attempt to outdo other celebrities. They do all this to keep up their image and popularity. Many of them fear people. They fear what people will think about them. Many of them hide their insecurities behind their pictures, their tweets, posts, and other social media. The celebrity world is driven by popularity, acceptance, praise, and approval. There are some celebrities who have committed suicide because they are unable to keep up with the social competition. 
there are other celebrities who use self-harm because they don't feel good about how others view them and how they view themselves. And there are others who have left this lifestyle of social competition because they came to understand it to be an empty and unfulfilling life. Paul says in Romans 6.13, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. God has intentionally made us who we are. He made our physical bodies. He created us with a plan and a purpose for how he would use us on earth in our lifetime. We are to present our strengths and weaknesses to God. We are to let God use everything about us for his honor and glory. We are not to hold anything back. There may be others who are better at talking, helping, and are better looking than us. God desires that we use our voice, our hands, our feet, our talents and abilities to make his name known to those around us. I love the story about Nick Vojcik. He was a man who was born without any arms and legs. He grew up not playing sports like other boys and girls. He grew up not being able to get around like the other boys and girls. Initially, he felt worthless, useless. He was angry with God for the way he was made. Nick attempted suicide because he felt like his life was not worth living. But then one day he repented of this. He was reading in his Bible about the man born blind. Jesus' disciples asked him, Is this man born blind because of the sins of his parents or because of this man's sins? Jesus said, neither. This man was born blind so that the glory of God could be seen through him. And with that, Jesus made mud, put it on the man's eyes and told him to go wash. And the man miraculously was healed and could see again. Nick thinks to himself, Wow, if God can use a blind man for his honor and glory, how much more can he use a man who was born without any arms and legs? And from that moment, Nick's perspective began to change on his life. And God would use him to become a motivational speaker who would impact many for eternity. In a couple episodes from now, we will talk about using your physical features to bring praise to God, how we can use your height, voice, personality, creativity, your hands, your feet, your eyes to make Jesus' name big and attractive to others. The Bible says in Matthew 5:16, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Lastly, a person's identity can revolve around their shame when they have accurate perceptions about themselves that are sinful. In this category, this requires repentance and a change in behavior. Some examples can be someone is too judgmental, someone is struggling with lying, not being friendly, someone is arrogant. Someone worries a lot. Someone is selfish. It could be a struggle with not being content. My family and I enjoyed listening to the stories of Unshackled growing up. Unshackled is filled with many stories of men and women 
who lied, who stole, who were harsh and hurt people to get their way and to ensure that their desires were fulfilled. Upon reaching their breaking point, these stories tell how each of these people repented of their lying, their abuse, their resentment, their hate, their bitterness towards others. In a recent story about a lady on Unshackled's podcast, it was told how she came from an abusive home. Her parents did not care about her. She had to take care of her siblings because her parents did not. When she became older, she looked for love and acceptance with her friends. She compromised any good morals she had. This left her feeling hopeless and worthless. However, she heard of Jesus' love for her. She learned how he could forgive her for her lying, her harshness, her arrogance and selfishness. She confessed these acts of disobedience and asked Jesus to forgive her. She gave her life to God and committed to serving him. She found that God's love, forgiveness, and acceptance of her is truly what satisfies. In 1 John 1 verse 7, we read, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. The more you walk in the light and are willing to be exposed, the faster it will be to repent of the sin in your life. I wanted to include the seven A's of a confession found in the book, The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. I thought this would be a helpful um, exercise in confessing our sin to God. Number one, address. Address everyone involved. Avoid. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Essentially, don't make excuses. Admit specifically. Acknowledge the hurt. Accept the consequences. Alter your behavior. And ask for forgiveness. In conclusion, I repeat the same questions I asked in the very beginning. Do you ever struggle with forgiving yourself? Do you struggle with negative self-talk? Do you find yourself comparing yourself to others? Do you find that you can't stand criticism? Do you fear being exposed? Do you struggle with evil desires? The definition I gave for shame earlier was the deep sense that you are unacceptable because of something you did, something done to you, or something associated with you. You feel exposed and humiliated. Shame is a feeling that everyone will feel in one form or another. It is my desire to give you hope through this podcast. It is my desire to help you understand the shame you experience. It is my goal to help you interact with your shame in a productive way so as to allow you to move forward in life. The Bible carries the answers to the shame that we experience. Let us allow God's word to speak to us and show us the way. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.